1: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed Mortgage Banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. It's a complex question, and uh, you can just sense this person's sincerity, their desire to do what's right before God. They're anonymous out of Georgia, and they're asking this. Is it OK to marry in God's eyes and not through the legal process if you're doing so because you have insurance from a late husband that's paying for um, for shots in your eyes every month? And without that insurance, you would probably go blind.
2: Wow. That is that's a tough issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand the, the difficulty the person is, is facing. I think it it's. I, I absolutely understand it, but it seems to me that uh, when we think about marriage, marriage should be according to what the, the law prescribes marriage to be for people, the requirement, which is a public ceremony and legal authorization, which we call a marriage license. Now, it just seems to me that th- that's, that's what marriage ought to be in our culture, And so saying, well, I'm married in the eyes of God. I'm just, uh, I'm not convinced that God recognizes a marriage just with a uh, personal commitment without legal recognition of it. But I totally understand the struggles that a person is having here. I just, uh, it is probably someone who knows a lot more than me, uh, an ethicist. Someone like that, mm-hmm. that I would also check with. But also, uh, I think that is one of those questions I would talk to my pastor about. You know, because I'm sure there are different opinions. Uh, you know, there, when uh, I lived in, in Long Island in a neighbor that was very, very Orthodox Jewish, and they had a Beit Din, when ethical questions, questions of law came up, you would go to the Beit Din, the, the House of Judgment, mm-hmm. and it would be a community of rabbis. And it was interesting. Uh, people would say we we'd never go to the Plainview Long Island in because the rabbi there is very strict. So they they shop for they would shop for a like a judge shop know, shopping for a judge. They would look for one where they were they, the the in the was l- less strict than than my local. Now, I wasn't part of that. I just lived in the community and heard yeah. people say things like that. But I just think it's kind of funny that uh, this is what I'm almost saying. You know, th- my opinion <laughs> is this, but I would look for someone else. And, and just <laughs> get different
1: perspectives. And get I'm, different
2: perspectives.
1: And I'm thinking mm-hmm. legally, she, she probably needs to to seek legal counsel, too. There may be something could, that yeah, could be could done legally. could very well be
2: there. Yeah, 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 I don't, I just don't know but uh i think that a marriage if you're married you should be married according to the law mm-hmm. that's what i think
1: okay
0: well, Michael, thank you so thank much for you. that. You're hearing the voice of Dr. Michael right down, like just answering some of the questions. And if you have a question that you'd like him to respond to, if you could text it into us at 423-629-8900, it'd be great. It's uh, it's our own special version of Open Line Chat, which is what we talk about with Michael every Monday about 830. And Michael, I have one more question for you here before sure. we go into our, our next break. And it has to do with our memory verse for January, which is Zephaniah 317 And we have a listener Hmm. who um, says that their version of these scriptures says that he will be quiet in his love, and then he has another version that says he will be silent in his love. And just wondering um, what you might think is the best or most accurate translation for that, because the NIV says in his love he'll no longer rebuke you. So just trying to figure out what the actual verbiage is as a way to see what this verse is saying.
2: Well, here's what I'm going to do. I This is the, uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I have to look at the Hebrew. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Oh, maybe he can do that uh- in the
1: next few minutes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I can do it right now. Uh, I'm I'm look I'm pulling out my Hebrew text and I'm going to tell you what I think it means. Okay. As I keep talking, even though I'm not really saying anything because I know it's radio.
0: Tommy <laughs> and I do that all the time. <laughs> all we just time. Keep yeah. Yeah, yeah, just talking. keep talking until I have something to say. That's how it works.
2: That, that, that that's story of my life. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, that's how I got chosen to do open line. Uh,
1: <laughs> you just kept talking
2: okay, I got it okay good good news I got it it's I think it it's a word that can mean both quiet or it can mean uh silent it doesn't it's not one of those words that is exclusively it, okay. it can also mean to be deaf but it doesn't mean that God will be deaf mm. It's a word that's used of sound I'd have to do a complete word study, but in according to the lexicon, it means to be deaf to be silent to be quiet, and so some version would say quiet some versions would say silent makes more sense to say quiet yeah i guess i would say that's the one that makes the most sense because god is not silent and he is not deaf so it makes sense that he has a there's a quietness about it i'm looking here at the variant readings the variant reading a variant reading is when the septuagint which is the greek translation of the hebrew bible that was done in the second century bc so it's very ancient greek translation that's got a word that's entirely different, and it is the alternate word that they translated it is uh, he will renew you with his love. Mm. Okay. There are various other alternate translations that also have the word uh, renew. The uh, the net version of the Bible, I don't know if you've seen that one, mm-hmm. uh, it's a very good translation uh, done by mostly Dallas Seminary faculty, and that you can get a print version, but it's called The Net because it's available on the Internet. It was one of the first ones available on the Internet. Uh, they, and they have translation and text notes throughout. It's the most detailed footnotes you'll ever see about why they translated it the way they did. And they have a very detailed translation note about why they took the variant reading, and they translate it this way. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a warrior who can deliver. He takes great delight in you. He renews you by his love. That's the phrase there. He shouts for joy over you. It's, they are slow to take the variant readings. If they do, then it, it makes sense to me that I should actually, if I were doing some study on it, I would do some more detailed work to see if that were the better translation.
0: Thanks for being here with us. It's Mornings with Tom and Tobby and Michael, our good friend, Dr. Michael downlake here to answer your questions. And and we have one that, that came in, and it's kind of a, a couple parts, little small questions for you. Okay, Tidbits, oh, questions for Michael Rydelnik. So <laughs> the first one is, why in Acts 17 is the synagogue called a Jewish synagogue? Normally, aren't they just refer, but specifically it says a Jewish yeah. synagogue.
2: Well, here's the thing that might surprise people is the word synagogue. Mm-hmm. just means an assembly hmm.
0: okay. and
2: in the the greco-roman world the hellenistic world uh the assembly of jewish people was called a synagogue, but in hebrew it's called a Beit so what they did is they just took a normal greek term for any assembly and of course because they're writing to the greco-roman world uh. they put the word jewish synagogue because there could be other assemblies as well mm-hmm. okay uh also, the same thing is, you know, the word "ecclesia" that we know is the Greek word for church, church. right? Mm-hmm. It's not technically so, because in Acts 19, it's used of a governmental assembly, and it's used of a mob. Really? Yeah, the mob that was, you know, shouting mm-hmm. at, about, uh, uh, great is Artemis among the Ephesians, and of the mm-hmm. Ephesians, and, you know, they wanted to get Paul and all that, they're called an ecclesia. And so you have to be really careful with words. We want to make them always so that every time you see the word synagogue, it means a synagogue, but no, it means an assembly. You see the word ecclesia? we want to call it a church or the church. No, it could mean a mob, could mean a a group of Jewish people in the Old Testament. That's what Stephen says in Acts 7 when he talks about the assembly in the wilderness. Uh, It's not talking about that it was the church in the Old Testament, but rather it was an assembly. And then the same thing is a mob shouting at Paul, shouting. Okay, wow. You have to be careful with, with, here we, this is translation time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Understanding how how translation is done. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for that. There's a part two of this question. Sure. And the, the other question is about Noah's
0: sons. And the question is, were they triplets?
2: No, nah, no, they were not triplets. <laughs> no, they were not triplets. And if so, were they triplets. identical
0: or fraternal? <laughs>
2: no. No, they were not triplets. He just happened to have three sons by the time the flood was coming. Okay. That was it. Yeah. Ham, Shem, okay. Japheth. That's Ham, it. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Yeah. And oh. uh, Shem, of course, is the father of uh, the ancestor mm. of Terah, the ancestor of Abraham. Mm. And that's where the idea of, Semite, Semite comes from, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So here's a question. Uh, it's from a guy named Tom. I wonder who this is. <laughs> says, the Moody Bible commentary on 1 Timothy 3 written, written by John Kessler has a position on qualifications for elder as outlined in verse 2. Must be a husband of but one wife. All
0: right, and then I just wanted to do some clarification on on what it says here, because again, when I first became a follower of Christ, the the big thing in church was divorce, divorce. You can't be divorced and be involved in church leadership at all, Mm -hmm. but um, John says this, um, how do I say that? Um, Husband of one wife indicates that an elder cannot be involved in an extramarital relationship, something common in the first century Greco-Roman world, but the phrase does not, however, automatically disqualify a divorce. Divorced man, since Scripture allows for divorce and remarriage under certain circumstances, uh, without God considering it sin, and so mm-hmm. that's a position I'd never really heard of before until mm-hmm. reading what John had to say about it. And so I just wanted okay. to get your input on it.
2: Sure, the Greek word that's used there in First Timothy three is a one-woman man. That's that's literally what it is. And okay. there's a lot of different versions of views, I should say, of what that means. Some people say a person who is not a uh, polygamous person, okay. you know, multiple marriages, because that was possible in the ancient world. So not polygamous. No, I don't think that's what it's talking about. Okay. And then a second uh, idea was someone who has never been divorced or widowed. Because if it if you're going to take it huh. strictly, you must have only one wife. I, I know actually a man that was a very, very fine biblical exegete, very well-known professor who was a pastor and when uh and a professor but he was a pastor and his wife died and when he remarried he stepped down as pastor because he was no longer a one-woman man in his estimation Mm. i think that's mistaken uh and then the the third is a lifestyle a category a category or a character a person who is a loyal husband and it is possible i I had an elder in my congregation many years ago in Long Island, who, when he became a believer in Jesus, his wife left him. Mm-hmm. She abandoned him, which is, and so according to scripture, based on 1 Corinthians 7, he was allowed to remarry, uh, and he did remarry, and he had a wonderful marriage, uh, and he was a very loyal husband and father, and godly man, and as a result, we made him an elder. Oh. Uh and so I think the I take I call it the country western uh, view of of marriage. I'm a one woman man. You know that kind of. <laughs> you know, he has to prove himself to be a loyal husband, faithful. No no extramarital affairs. But more than that, more than that, uh, someone devoted to his wife, uh, in in every way.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: What a- Clarify. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. That was wonderful. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I, I You know, I, I don't always agree with the Moody Bible commentary. People are shocked because I was the editor but, <laughs> and they say, I disagree with the Moody Bible commentary. I said, well, I do do sometimes, you know, but, uh, the, the issue in that, uh, passage, I absolutely agree with John Kessler. Okay. And, uh, the thing is we allowed things into the commentary that were Le- legitimate explanations that I didn't. The editor, Mike, and I didn't necessarily always agree with, but if they were legitimate, we included it. Okay, and yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.